0: yes they rabbi I sold from the merchant ships minutes after they took I from the bottomless pit but my hands yes were made strong by the hand of the Almighty we forward this generation triumphantly won't you help me sing these songs of freedom Cause all I ever have, redemption songs. Emancipate yourself from mental slavery, none but ourselves can free our mind. Have no fear for atomic energy, cause none of them I cannot stop at the time. How long will we kill our prophets while they stand aside and look? some say it's just a part of it we got to fulfill the book why don't you help me sing these songs of freedom cause all i ever have redemption songs redemption songs all right folks, welcome <laughs> welcome back to the podcast One Man One Train Hill.
1: I'm your host two-time wrestling champion stand-up comedian Jad Waters. Uh, that was Bob Marley's redemption song. I don't know why I've been just been thinking of that song, but it was just I forgot where I was this week. Uh my friend, shout out to my friend Bella. She's from Tampa, Florida. Now she lives in New York City and now she's uh publicly singing like she's singing like I I'm, I'm not going to say I going to take credit for this, but I remember uh When we were in there, I was like, man, you're a beautiful singer. Why aren't you not singing like the F? Like, God's gave you a gift. You got to freaking use it before someone takes it away, right? And now she's, like, performing on trains. She's outside, and everything is beautiful to see. Maybe she was singing that song. That's why I was like, "No, I don't know where I heard that song. But, yeah, shout out to Bella. Uh, So, yeah, let's get to our sponsors before we start this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This podcast, ladies and gentlemen, is sponsored by the Old Hillside Bourbon Company, ladies and gentlemen, which was created out of love and for bourbon, friendship, and camaraderie. The idea of quality time, great conversation, and enjoying good spirits brought this team together. Our vision is fueled by optimism, integrity, and a sense of responsibility to build a successful household of bourbon brand that people can cherish and love. Our history is unique. We are a collective group of individuals from a different career backgrounds. This is our strength, as we are able to apply our professionalism and experience to provide an unmatched service to our customers. Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is sponsored by Old Hillside Bourbon Company. And if you're drinking, ladies and gentlemen, Old Hillside Bourbon is what you're drinking. And happy Black History Month to the people celebrating black history. Thank you. If you don't know any black people, well, you know me, ladies and gentlemen. This is Black History Month, the diaspora of black people. It's been a unique week. And shout out to everyone who's emailed us about Joe Stroud. Joe Stroud is a veteran. And uh he was always like our big like our, our big homie, man. Um I met Joe two thousand and two, two thousand three Towers came down two thousand one, two thousand and two when we started playing like football football. But I always knew his brothers and stuff like that. And Joe was inspiring because he was the first dude besides my dog James Saffle, like these guys went to college and they had no problem like telling us about the next level in life. I'm a I'm the type of person that doesn't like surprises, you know? Like like for example, like I could I could just enjoy watching these Marvel movies, but since I wear all the comic books and I'm a part of this underground community of people who leak information or leak movie scripts or leak big movies i don't like being i like knowing a little bit to say like oh these guys right should i do stuff like that and i was very worried about college and very worried about higher education and i remember james went to college first and told us like college is mad easy man trust me it's not that hard i was like you sure he goes yeah it's not that hard but joe Stroud was the first person that we knew that played uh football at the next level now I have two memories of Joe Stroud. I remember I remember him his senior year, he was maybe five seven, five seven, but maybe lifted three hundred pounds bench pressing. And I remember this dude, he was all pretty much our height. And this dude named Mike Chamberlain, he was a running back, he came through and he was coming up on kickoff return. This big dude, maybe like six four, was running and you just see Joe Stroud with all of his might lay this dude completely out.
0: And after he lays him out, you just hear him roar like, yeah. And I remember the whole crowd going, F-yeah, Joe, Joe, mother effing Stroud, the Stroud boy is number 43.
1: And I remember him just laying the wood on this dude. And then he went off to college, and I remember he came back, and he had this brace on him, this brace. And I remember he brought us all these football workouts, and it changed like everything because we were just lifting like heavyweights. I remember we lifted this Oklahoma Oklahoma football thing, And he was telling me that when he was in college, these are like my memories when I'm like 15 or something, when he's like, when I was in college, I would lift weights since I was small. Everyone thought I was a wrestler because wrestlers are very stocky. And he was always this dude that just gave information, very smart, very intellect, as you can probably tell in the podcast. And I would just always see his post about, you know, Dragon Ball Z, about his family and his two kids. And I was like, yeah, man, freak. I I, I was like, man, I'm just, I'm inspired by people that I know just like doing This next level of life you know i don't have kids yet you know and i'm like man look at him how he's raising his son and i hit up joe and i was like hey man i do this podcast it's a time capsule of who you are and i would really love you to be a part of and he said yeah so we recorded this uh back in november back in november and sometimes when we record these episodes we have a gang of producers and we we listen to the theme of the podcast and we got tons of episodes and stuff and just you know about timing and stuff like that so And then we think of the theme and we we all listened to it and we talked about it and he was like you got to do the joe stroud i was like yeah so uh i was in a hotel i was on on the road with my friend cam bertrand and joey and joey the average joe the average joey and average joey excuse me and we were doing this gig in connecticut i did stand up comedy kick a two-man show because cam left and asked Joe Stroud, could he do it? He goes, yes, yeah. so we recorded in the hotel. And that was dope, just seeing him as a veteran now and just how smart, how intellect. Like, you can probably tell how smart he is. And just seeing him at this next phase of life. And now he has this time capsule of who he is. Like, if anyone wants to know Joe Stroud, this is who he was. So I'm learning. I'm learning how to just interview people and learn how to listen and stuff like that. But a lot of the stuff I was excited about because it's like you haven't caught up with somebody in 10 years. You're going to be, like, excited and stuff like that. But that was Joe Stroud. Uh, father, husband, veteran, former D1 athlete. And I was the first D1 athlete I knew besides my cousin, Richard. Oh, frick, I got to get him on the podcast, Richard Kuntz. So that was Joe Stroud. And if anyone has any questions, you can definitely just just email him or just follow him on Instagram. He's definitely a super nice person. Uh, he is married, ladies. We have a lot of ladies in this podcast. He is married. And uh, a lot of emails about my dog, Scott Monahan, Uh A.K.A. Scotty Hottie. <laughs> Scotty Tuhottie. Uh Yeah, I don't know. I, I, sometimes I'm just good at chemistry, you know. Sometimes if you have a familiarity with a person, it's easy to talk to a, a friend or a former friend. So uh, not a former friend, but someone you have in common with. But that's a uh, we'll definitely send those things. But shout out to Joe Stroud, we appreciate that. Also, prayers up to my people in Texas right now. I call my, well, I text my dog uh, Carlos Lopez. And I hit Jessica Lopez up on Instagram, and sometimes I forget how many friends I have in Texas, man. And uh, and just reminds me how many people I want to get on the podcast. You know, some of these people in Texas, like my dog Carlos Lopez, I got to go down to Houston and sit down with him because it's gonna be like a three-hour conversation. My dude Miles, Miles, Miles Jones. So so many people I know that it, it'll take all day. It'll take all day. Uh, one of these emails asked me like, who would I really want to get on the podcast? Uh, It's my dog, Joe Sappho and our regular conversations are really podcasts. We just haven't recorded them yet, but if I would go down there, I got to, if I ever do some couple shows in Kansas City, when this country opens back up, when I do some gigs in Missouri, I'm definitely just going to go down there and just take three days off, Uh, I'm in three days of this show, and just sit down with this doctor and just get inside his marbles, but a uh, shout out to everyone in Texas. Nobody that I've seen is doing uh any worse, but these videos are crazy, man, like, like, what I've been reading, so I like to research before I talk about certain things, but pretty much what they're saying is, like, these pipes were never meant for to be frozen. They were never meant, so all these people's pipes are bursting. Just imagine losing your stuff, man. And, you know, material things come and go. You can't take that with you, but, you know, being flooded, being
0: trapped, not having people. Some people don't even have families. Imagine all your stuff being ruined. Imagine if you don't have flood insurance and stuff like that, and you got to completely start all over, people's roofs caving in.
1: F man, that's tough, man. So yo, my prayers are up to everybody in Texas right now and and like people are hitting me up like New York, you guys got snow. I said, like, Listen, this ain't like Texas snow, you know? And Ted Cruz, the freak are you doing, Teddy? Teddy Roosevelt Cruz, the freak are you doing? Going to Cancun, dog. What are you doing right now? And the excuses sometimes I think that maybe back in the day, like senators thought the American people are stupid. But I feel like the American people have a high intellect and we can spot out BS. Like, dog, your state is going in and you left to Cancun. And someone in their camp snitches, snitched and said that she was his Ted Cruz's wife was uh, emailing the neighbors and said, hey, they got some cheap flights and some cheap rooms for $300 a night. Come down so we can escape the storm. Girl, what is wrong with you? Come on, your husband is the goddamn senator. He got to stay here for this. Come on, bro. But, you know, good luck to a seat next year. You know, the people of Texas, I don't know if Texas will ever be blue or red. Not even blue or red. Maybe it could be purple. Somebody from an independent party to lead. But uh, shout out to all my Texans out there. A lot of people, a lot of comedians I know have moved down to Texas. Um, Let's shoot, Tim Dillon. I said Tim Dillon's going down to Texas now. Rebecca... From the creek in the cave, she just relocated her location down to Texas, and it's uh it's different. It's different seeing comedy evolve. I know I, I you know you get into comedy like this, but comedy evolve, but you know it's evolving. Now the creek in the cave, I spoke about that in a couple of episodes. It was a comedy club. It was more like a. Have you ever seen Ninja Turtles one, like where the Foot Clan was? It's like that. It was like a, a rebel place for comedians. And it had all these great comedians that came out of that, like Eric Andre, the Lucas Brothers, and stuff like that. A lot of comics seven years ago were there. I was definitely in Florida then. So now it's you're seeing like if you're in New York, you're seeing like them take down the. You're seeing them take down the the, the theater signs. You're seeing them just it's it's like kind of sad. So I'm gonna go there. I think I'm gonna go there and broad do a broadcast podcast there before they officially wipe down all the. Like you know, clean up and like take it down and do what it's supposed to be. Here we go. Here we go. Other news. Uh, I haven't finished the Patrice O'Neill documentary. It's a documentary called "Better Than You" that his fiancee Von De Carlo put out, and it took like seven. I think Patrice has been dead seven years. Patrice O'Neill, very funny comedian. I think his album "Mr. P" is one of the best comedy albums I've ever heard in my life elephant in the room is good but like mr p was like i think it's 2012 when it came out and that's the reason why i love this dude his name is keith moore i made a podcast about him just like you know but he's never wrote me back at all but whatever fm as a staff and record label but i still love him um i was working in orlando finished college 2011 I i got this internship and uh, we're at Disney, we just working, and this, my roommates at the time gave me this, they go, you heard of Patrice O'Neal? I said, like, yeah, I heard of Patrice O'Neal. Have you ever listened to this album yet, Mr. P? And it was like everything I was going through, and that's when I understood comedy. And he passed away, and his 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 fiancée Vaughn, she's a stand-up comic as well, and she put this documentary, and it was just dope seeing your art, Become timeless. Does that make sense? Like, I do all these podcasts for, you know, for freaking my grandkids for like For them, to, I'm chronologically my life, you know, and when we make these time capsules for someone else's grandkids to be all like, oh, this is what my parents are like. Like, I wish my grandfather, like, I spoke to him when he had Alzheimer's and he would tell me stuff that I never knew and stuff back in the day they didn't talk to their kids about, but I would just ask him and he would just tell me this information. And these memories that my aunts have and these memories that my grandfather's wives have, not my grandfather's wives, my Uncle Luby, his wife has, of my grandfather, what he was, or do you remember what your grandparents are like and stuff like that. Like, I need this information. So what I've been doing now is i just been recording just my family, you know? Like, I need to get my dad on the podcast and stuff like that. But back to Patrice O'Neill, excuse me, like, he left all this work, and it was just amazing seeing his friends speak about them and how sad they are man like this great comedic voice has left a void you know and i think that it's like a yin and a yang the yang is that a lot of comedians now want to take up the mantle of patrice o'neill but it's like you're not patrice you know even i went through a phase in like 2012 where i was like talking about stuff and i was like who am i to talk about this and i have no why should i be talking about this i'm not him you know, you get that easily influenced, right? And just imagine what his fiance feels as a stand-up comedian. Imagine how many people walk up to her and tell her, talk to her about I think I, I've spoken to her several times. Me and her friendly now. But, like, I got it. I get it. I get it, you know, about why she's kind of, like, not standoffish, but sometimes the hardest part of your life where you're, you're the person of the love of your life dies. Dies, right? With you. Dies. And... All of his fans just randomly hit you up and remind you of one of the saddest memories of your life. I get it now, I get it. People heckling her on on stage and like yelling out his name. Think about the trauma that she felt because you know the love of her life died. But uh, I, I'm glad and seeing her now is is, is amazing. Now she's stand up comic in the city, very respected, respected, never neglected, and she's very sweet. And uh, she'll give you game, it give you give you some gems if you want the gems so shout out to her and congratulations for her making this documentary i'm so happy that she that they got it done it's that all things comedy um so i'm gonna read vaughn's how she met her fiance patrice on the great patrice o'neill i met patrice on the set of spike lee's 25th hour he was talking about he was talking to every girl there but me so of course i thought he didn't like me he made The same assumption about me, a lot of people do before getting to know me. So I was used to that. He called me pretty girl syndrome, but he ended up with me for 10 years, so there's that. He went on from pretty girl syndrome to later describe me as a pretty girl with an ugly girl's personality, (laughs) which was a fancy way of saying down to earth. Time reveals true character in people. In the great words of Preacher ne- Patrice now, excuse me, you can't F with the truth. Enjoy this documentary tonight. It's going to be a roller coaster of laugh and tears. The unedited version is on the extended version of the Comedy Central app. P.S., just a heads up. These stories and posts while you can. I'm not going to be telling Patrice stories forever. I've done my best and have given all that I can. And I'm sure you understand, Hux. P.S., I know, I know. I'm going to have to burn that jacket. Clearly, it's a, a blankie for longer than I've ever realized it when, until I saw my younger self in it p s what's over your nails his favorite colors were green Bye. this is a moment man and it's 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 different when your legacy is attached to someone else's you know she has a hard task of maintaining his legacy and being like the executive you know being how do you call it when like like being the power attorney of like of his brand and stuff like that's a lot and she's a stand-up comic herself and she's a, definitely has to push through so I'm glad this chapter of her life is I'm not going to say seal. We've got to get on the podcast and see. But we'll never talk about that to her. I think my friend told me this. He said that she goes like, when people invite me to the podcast, she's like, do you want to talk about me or do you want to talk about my ex? If you want to talk about my ex, listen to his old podcast. And that's a good point. Even though it's a very part of her, I think she's a very interesting person, a very good for people. to Just check her out. She has her own podcast. Uh, Jacqueline definitely out, Von De Carlo. So very proud of her. Congratulations on this documentary. Uh, the preacher on it, Patrice O'Neill. It's on Comedy Central, it's called Better Than You, ladies and gentlemen. Uh Black History Month. Let's talk about Black History Month, ladies and gentlemen. I feel like we <laughs> we don't we don't talk enough about Black History Month. Uh Black History Month, a little a little information if you don't know about it. Black History Month was started by this guy named Cardi G. Woodson. He picked the month of February. This is the reason why it's in February. Is because Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass were both born in February, right? Uh, Yes, and the NAACP was founded in the month of February. Black History Month used to be a week, and then it recently, in the years, expanded to a month. So that's the reason why it's in February. He could have picked any month, but he chose February, which is, you know, black people get cold in February, the month of love. And, you know, Abraham Lincoln, he did free the slaves, but he did put a lot of systematic oppression on black people. But that's the reason why it is in February. I thought that was a fun fact to let people know why it's the month of February, Um, also another point in Black History Month that we thought of. And these are from our sponsors of the Old Hillside Bourbon Company Facts. Old Hillside Bourbon Company Black History Facts. Alonzo Lonnie Clayton is the youngest jockey to ever win the Kentucky Derby. He won this race in in 1892, so this is a long time ago, at the age of 15 and still holds the record as the youngest winning rider. Clayton was born in March 27, 1876 in Kansas City, as a boy, his family relocated to Little Rock, Arkansas, where he then changed the course by running away to Chicago at 12 years old. While in the Windy City, Clayton took up horseback riding, following his older brother's footsteps. He eventually learned how to, <laughs> how to ride these horses, and on May 11, 1892, Clayton rode the horse Arza. Arza took the victory at the Kentucky Derby at the age of 15, riding the same horse Clayton won the Clark Handicap, the Traveler Stake, and other notable races. By the 1900s, Clayton's career was all but done as racism forced black jockeys who have dominated the sport of centuries out of horse racing altogether. Despite being an instrumental part of the development of thoroughbred horse racing, the last African-American jockey to win a major thoroughbred horsing race was 1909. Clayton attempted to come back in 1904, but a scandal involving race fixing ended his, career, ended his career. Excuse me. Clayton moved to Little Rock, Arkansas, purchased the the Edinburgh House, which is now the National Register Register of Historic Places, Clayton passed in nineteen seventeen at the age of forty. That is our black history facts. And it's crazy, man. It's during black history, man, it's kind of hard to acknowledge your history, but not defined by your history because as black people we're strong people but when you look at like jesus christ like man systematic oppression is so mother effing real you know what i mean but that's our black history fact reading these emails now okay this is my producer sent me this oh kim and kanye officially uh filed for divorce thank god thank god uh not thank god but uh, sad Kanye West makes the best music It's very selfish of me to say that But Kanye West makes great music when he's sad My dark, twisted, beautiful fantasy Was when he was sad As Amber was leaving um, Also, when his mm, 808 and heartbreaks, When he's heartbroken, Kanye makes great music And I hope that he makes great music I hope she doesn't take her kids, his kids away from him Because I know he loves his kids And I don't know Kanye West at all But I know people who know Kanye Which is, uh, I've worked with a lot of comedians that told me they wrote and they've been in sessions with Kanye West and uh hopefully you know he doesn't he doesn't hurt himself that's the plan if he doesn't hurt himself and starts making good music again because it's just weird seeing the Kardashians just vibe out to his music like talking about hip-hop like they are fans of hip-hop you know just like yeah Kanye really loves this album and he really worked hard (laughs) what the freak are you talking about but I think it's good. I think he finally, you know, he finally broke free, you know? I think that when it's all said and done that uh that it was a good. You know what I mean? He's he got Kanye's a winner, man. He's a winner. My favorite album of Kanye West, my dark tw- is uh between My Dark Twisted Fantasy and College Dropout. Those two albums are my one. But Last Call, when Kanye talks about 15 minutes how to make it. You never count that dude out. But uh he's divorced um I say this all the time, especially during Black History Month. There was, I think we talked about last week about Black China winning a case against the Kardashian, how they sabotaged their show. I feel like we don't get a, a fair rap of how many women they've damaged. Sometimes we talk about the black men, but we don't talk about the black women. Like, they really bullied Jordan Woods so bad. Holy F. Like, man, imagine 40-year-old women or 38-year-old women bullying a chick that's 20 years old. How is that cool at all, right? They bullied her and stuff like that. Granted she kissed Trent, But what chick that's eighteen hasn't kissed a basketball player. If I was nineteen and I was a woman, I would kiss a basketball player, right? Who cares is my friend? You know, we all thought and bopping, right? Not calling her a thought, but you're saying, you know, whatever. But uh yeah, shout out to Free Yeezy. Thank you, Kanye West is free. Other news and this this is more of a black history fact. Now this recently just came out, so we're trying to thread it and see how real it is. Now, there was uh, this man, uh, the daughters of Malcolm X, civil rights attorney, said they have evidence that the proves that F- NYPD, excuse me, and the FBI conspired, conspired, I won't say conspired, conspired to assassinate him, right? And I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read this. So, uh, three daughters of the Malcolm X John, the civil rights attorney, Ben Crump, on Saturday to reveal what they say is evidence that proves that NYPD and the FBI conspired to have him assassinated. The civil rights activist, prominent figure in the Nation of Islam, was killed. Uh, in the ballroom in February 1965. So he was killed in February during Black History Month. Three men were convicted, but over the years, there have been conspiracy theories about whether someone else was responsible. Saturday, the cousin of now deceased police officer says that on his deathbed, a declaration letter, Officer Ray Wood claimed his job was to infiltrate the civil rights organization and encourage the leaders and members to commit felonies. He also claimed that he was ordered to have Malcolm X security details, details arrested days before his assassination. Now, Crump is calling the Manhattan District to take action. The question will be if they finally give restorative justice for what happened to uh, Malcolm X several months ago in Manhattan. I'm going to read the letter. This is what the letter said. Not that's what the letter. This is from Raymond Wood. Now, Raymond Wood was a uh, uh, pretty much like a narc, like a narc and undercover to infiltrate. Um, the Nation of Islam. And he wrote this on January 25, 2011. To who it may concern, I, Raymond Wood, being of good, sound mind and body, wish to confess the following. I was a black New York City undercover officer in April 1964 to May 1971. I participated in actions that in hindsight were deplorable and detrimental to the advancement of my own black people. My actions on behalf of New York City Police Department, BOSSI, were underdone and under duress in fear that I might not be (laughs) <laughs> Excuse me. That I might that I, if I did not follow the orders by my handlers, I could face detrimental consequences. Presently, I'm aging and failing of health. Recently, I've learned of the death of Mr. Thomas Johnson and I'm deeply concerned that with my death, his family will not be able to exonerate him after being wrongfully convicted of the killing of Malcolm X. Come on, Jack. All right. The facts are the follows. The facts are as follows. Excuse me. April 17, 1964, I was hired by the New York City Police Department. Without training, I was immensely assigned to the Bossy Investigation Unit. My job was to infiltrate the civil rights organization throughout New York City to find evidence of criminal activity so the FBI could discredit and arrest the leaders in the black community. Jesus Christ. After witnessing repeatedly brutality at the hands of my coworkers, the police, I tried to resign. Instead, I was threatened with an arrest and pinning marijuana and alcohol trafficking charges on me if I did not follow through with my assignments. Under the direction of my handlers, I was told to encourage the leaders and members of the civil rights group's organization to commit felony and felonious acts. The Statue of Liberty bombing idea was created by my supervisor and handler. Using surveillance, the agency learned of the Beau and say were key players in Malcolm X crowd control during the security detail. It was my assignment to draw the two men into felonious federal crimes so they could be arrested by the FBI and kept away from managing Malcolm X ballroom door security on February 21, 1965. On February 16, 1965, the Statue of Liberty plot was carried out and the men arrested just days before the assassination of Malcolm X. At the time, I was not aware that Malcolm X was a target. On February twenty first, 1965, I was ordered to be at the ballroom, where I was identified by witnesses while leaving the scene. Thomas Johnson was later arrested, wrongfully convicted to protect my cover in the secrets of the FBI and NYPD. I have placed this full confession into the care of my cousin, Reginald Wood Jr. I have requested that this information be held until after I have passed away. It is my hope that this information is received with the understanding that I have carried these secrets with a heavy heart. Remorsefully regret my participation in this matter. Raymond A. Wood. Jesus Christ. So what he's pretty much saying was that he was undercover and his job was to like mess up the blank. See, and this came out during Black History Month, man. So it's just like hearing that, hearing that, and watching Judas and the Black Messiah, and listening to all these Black leaders. Like it's been like systematically. Just, we're not gonna make this podcast about this, cause we can go on for days and days and days about how what the government did and what the government has done. But it's good now that people are trying to mess. And I say that because when you talk about Joe Biden and stuff like that, like the government has a way of just keeping people down, specifically black people and my question is there's not that many black people in america we're only like 10 percent like what is so <laughs> what are we doing here we go but we're great people but still we want to highlight the good things that happened during black History. we don't want to just highlight the negative stuff like that we can just keep going but all right uh other things going on uh shows valentine's day hope everyone had a wonderful valentine's day whoever celebrated i did we uh what do we did we went to dinner breakfast dinner then we uh did some comedy shows, had some comedy shows then, and uh, shows have been great. Uh, what happened was was very significant. Matthew R. Valles, the guy, I do the show with, uh, he comes up to, me, <laughs> he comes up to me, and goes, uh, <clears throat> Jared, let me tell you what happened. And we're coming to this comedy show. I was like, what happened, man? And he goes, my girl cheated on me. I was like, but y'all not even together, like on Facebook, like y'all not even like in a relationship publicly. Y'all ain't have no pictures with each other publicly. He goes, so what, man? She cheated on me, everything else. And I'm telling him before he's going on stage because he got a guest spot. I said, whatever you do, don't talk about that on stage, man, because you're emotional. So he gets on stage and he's saying how he's calling her dirty. And I said, look, man, they just did a whole Britney Spears documentary about Justin Timberlake uh, slut shaming. And you're going to get on stage and slut shame this woman. And uh, he goes, say it, Jared. Just say it. Just say you told me so. I said, I don't want to stand here and say that I was right or wrong, sir. But I said, listen, Matthew, you're 20 years old, man. Be 20, you know? I was like, you don't got to be me. I was like, I'm in my 30s, man. Like, we're completely different people. And sometimes I'm starting to understand him because I started stand-up when I was like 16 or 17, but I lived around the world, so I understood who I was. And the type of stand-up I was doing wasn't New York City stand-up where you could get on stage every night. Like when you're down south, you might get up once, especially in college, once a month, once every blue moon. So in New York City, you're gonna get better because there's multiple opportunities to have stage time, right? So Matthew was raised by a lot of comedians. He has his parents and stuff, but he was raised by comedians. So he missed out on the fact of understanding and like dealing with women. You know, he dealt with a lot of older men. Like he's been, he's been around 30 year olds and listened to their philosophies about women and not understanding that, you know, you're a young man. You could be with, you know, women your age so, what he said was, the like, th- four weeks ago, he told me that he was like, I guess he broke into her phone and found some text messages, and I told him, I was like, dude, no no chicks wants a jealous dude. Like, relax, man. He goes, really? I was like, I was, I was not really. I was like, yeah. Like, Why are you going through her phone? He goes, because I think. I was like, yeah, but if you go looking for something, you're going to find something, dog. Like, just chill, man. You could just be you. Be 20. You don't got to be married right now. Like, chill out, bro. And then... <laughs> And then he goes, yeah, I know she's talking to her ex. And I was like, yeah, who cares, right? And what I tell him is this, is because he's such a young man. <laughs> he's such a young man. He's a young comedian. But I told him, I was like, look, man, you shouldn't focus all your attention on her. You should take your attention and put it into stand-up, you know? You you like showing her off because it's probably the prettiest girl you ever dated. And he's like, I'm cute. And I was like, yeah, yeah if you think so, right? So, the day before Valentine's Day, he goes and gives her some roses or whatever, and she leaves to go on some trip. This is what I'm thinking, and then he says that he's on her. I guess he's on her. He's like using her computer to do something, and the text messages pop up from her ex-boyfriend, and he's like, "You trying to? You trying to? Woo 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 So he gets mad, and you know, he Matthew's raised by, you know, he's he's Spanish, but he's raised by a white dude. So he punches the door. He punches the door, and he shows me the bruise on his arm. And I told him, I was like, "Look, man." I said, as a man, as you get older, you have to understand that no woman belongs to you. And she's not entitled to you. And we're talking about the joke. And I said, you can't slut shame a woman. You have to find a way to tell your story without putting her down. Because she, you don't own her. She can do whatever the F she wants, right? And I was like, we all lose, man. You got to charge it to the game. I've lost before. I remember talking to this Greek, this Greek chick before. And... I think it was like when I was in my young, young, early ones, and she had like two kids, and you strike out, you lose. When you lose, you lose the lesson. I said, when you lose, don't lose the lesson. And uh, she makes beautiful chick. And uh, I was like, you put all your eggs in one basket, and the basket cracks, then you do. So I'm telling Matthew, I said, look, you're young. Just be around, meet people, do different things. But seeing his heartbroken was the funniest the funniest thing Cause he goes, everybody warned me about her. Everybody freaking, war- everybody freaking warned me about her. And I was like, look, man, honestly, I think you should just live, man, just live. But it's so funny seeing, <laughs> just being a twenty-year-old heartbroken. And he's like, I don't know what I'm gonna do next. I was like, just be a a twenty-year-old, work. He was telling me, he's like, I think I should get a job. I was like, you think? I was like, yeah. I had a job at twenty, but that was dope. That was one of the highlights of my day, just listening to his. Uh, so I've been sending him all these love heartbreak songs. Iman.
0: Bump you down, don't want you back.
1: I think I sent him uh, some Jodeci. Sent him some. I was like, listening to this Jodeci album. to help you get out of your funk. But that was dope. We did. Uh, that's. Oh, so yeah. It's training day. Training day of our comedy show every Wednesday in Astoria Park. Thank you to the people who came out. A lot of people that came out. And. I was talking to this guy, this guy and this girl walking in the park. And uh, me and Matthew are on the microphones, you know, barking to get people in. Barking in comedy is when you're, like, standing outside and you're, like, uh, promoting the show. That's what they call barkers. So barkers promoting the show. Uh, Because a lot of the clubs are still closed in New York City. But what we're doing is, like, bringing the clubs outside, what we've been doing. So it's really freezing. It's snowing. It's snowing the ground. But it's like, F it. I don't want to stay inside. So this guy comes and this girl comes. And we're talking to them. And he goes, are y'all together? He goes, I'm trying to. And I said, where'd you meet? He said, we met seven years ago. I was like, seven years ago? And he goes, I got somehow stuck in the friend zone. And oh, he's having a good time with his girl chilling in the park. And then the day afterwards, he writes me and sends me all these videos. And he goes, hey, man, this is I recorded these videos on my set. You guys are amazing. Thank you for making me laugh. He goes, I can't wait to come to the show again. I say, well, come out next week. And he goes, I'm about to do a short short stint in jail. I'm about to do a short stint in jail. But when I come home, definitely I got you, you know, a couple, couple charges. But you know what it is. You got to drop them. I was like, yeah, 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 no problem. And then we're talking, and he goes, dude, that really, he goes, you know, I have to get my head right for jail. And hearing you guys on stage in the park, I wasn't expecting to hear comedy. He goes, dude, you really made my night, man, and I really appreciate it. And I tell uh, Little Matthew all the time, I say, "Yo, laughter's for the soul, man." I said, sometimes we're doing the Lord's work, man. Sometimes when you're when you're taking time out of your day to make somebody laugh, it's important, you know. So that was Wednesday, Tuesday. Uh, I'm doing these underground shows. I can't really disclose the information. But it's good seeing people that I haven't seen in a while, and now they're back out here, and they're understanding, like, wow, you guys have gotten so much stronger in this park. So we do this underground shows, which is good. Uh, Reggie Edwards, a.k.a. Uh, Reggie the Goat, Reggie the Cush. He just came back from St. Louis, so he's back in town now. So we've been doing shows together. Stefan Hightower, he was on the podcast as well doing shows together. So we all do the show, really good show. And then uh, – <clears throat> Another underground show. So all these shows are like coming back. New York City is slowly coming back, and I think after the vaccinations in May, they're gonna open up the city completely, right? But it's 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 just getting different. It's just freaking different. So we do that, and then Thursday we get a snowstorm again, which is this show that I'm supposed to be doing every Thursday it keeps canceling. So I'm about to be just like f the sh- <laughs> the show, and then Friday. I did a spot. What was that show at Friday? Friday. Monday I did a, sh- Monday I did a show, Baby Brasas. That was good. And then Friday, Thursday the show was canceled. And Friday, which was two days ago, where the freak was I? Oh, yes. Now I remember where I was at. I was at, let me look at my calendar. I I've keep got so many shows I keep forgetting. Yes, Nick Hoppings. So Nick Hoppings, Nicholas Hoppings is from Virginia. So these Virginia comics, there's Tori, Mo. And Nicholas, they're all from Virginia, so they're Southerners, right? So they have that Southern hustle where they know how to build places. He has opened a freaking comedy club. I can't disclose the location, but pretty much in his neighborhood. And he set up these giant tents socially distanced, and it is freaking amazing. I did his his show, and the VIP room is, like, towards his house. And I'm like, freak, it was an amazing crowd. And then after Friday, Saturday, uh, I had a show at Joey Bats, and then I have a show at... The Trujillo Lounge, right? And my dude, Drex, and his boy, A-Time, they hosted the show. It's Cap the show. And it's just dope, amazing, seeing the people that I used to come and do open mics with when I moved to New York, and now seeing them as major players in this pandemic scene of just, like, elevating. My dude just got signed to Sony. And I was like, dude, I'm proud of you, man. I was like, I remember when we were doing this, and now you're signed to Sony, man. I I was like, keep doing, man. I was like, God has blessed you, man. Just freaking take everything... And sometimes when you're around people like that, and it's like a yin and yang because there's so many people that started out with us, and I ran into an old friend of mine, Stand Up comic, and I asked him, I was like, dude, why aren't you not out here, dog? Because I'm depressed, I'm doing everything else. I was like, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I'm depressed. But I'm like, dog, this is the perfect time to to spread your wings and, like, connect and freaking become a player out here in this scene. Like, everything is shut down. Like, if we talk about New York City, uh, what stand-up is, it's – you can see all these, imagine playing Mortal Kombat, right? Mortal Kombat, oh, like the Sega Genesis version of Mortal Kombat, how you can't go forward until you beat the boss of that level, right? Don't matter how many times you fail, you fail, you fail, you fail, then you go to the next level, right? So in New York, it's like levels. You see like the top of the level, which is, you know, Chris Rock and da-da-da-da, but you see these other levels where they're like Goro and stuff. And now, for the first time ever, besides the top level where Chris Rock is, Every level is access. You can access to any comedian. You're on stage with any comedian. And every comedian, for the first time, is looking for a stage time. So they're looking for the people who have stages. So me and Matthew, we have a show on Wednesday. we got a show on Saturday with Mike Lee. And the people who have show time and seeing the people get up now you are more recognizable because comedians now understand, like, this: this name popping up every time. Jared Waters, Jared Waters, Jared Waters, Jared Waters. Oh, that's Jared Waters. Oh, that's Jared Schwartz, Jared Schwartz, Jared Schwartz. That's Stefan Hightower. These names are popping up back and forth. So it's easy now, not easy, but it's easier now to get your name out there because there's only 12 shows running in the city at one time. So we get a special guest this week, which is... Jordan Rock's Chris Rock's uh, baby brother. Super funny comic. He's running his hour special because he's shooting his hour special. So he came, dropped in all these shows. And now when comics come to New York, they're just like, all these comics are coming from L.A., they're coming from Texas. And they're like, yo, we want to get up. I was like, well, come to our show. Come to this one. Do this. There's only like 12 shows coming, but everyone's still doing the show, so it's good, you know, because everybody knows when the spring hits, as soon as it gets warm in New York, the city's going to just open completely. The clubs will be open at maybe 60% capacity or something like that. And the outdoor parks are going to be open. In New York City, people love to be outside. Love to be outside. The sundresses will be flowing, tank tops will be out there, and comedy is going to explode again. And now, since during the pandemic, everyone had to learn on the fly how to produce outdoor shows. So now every comedian has a speaker, every comedian has a microphone, everyone has like a, like a, a name tag. Like, you know how you could, like, a banner like, put up your show and where the show is and stuff, so now everyone's prepared, so everyone's prepared, so it's just like a hurricane hitting your city if you're not from it, and the next time, like, oh, now we got freaking levees here, now we got everything else, so now it's like the second wave is coming, and the comedians who are prepared are gonna propel over, so, uh, yeah, that's dope, that's dope, and, uh, so that's what's happening now in New York City, Shoot, I can talk about comedy all day. And then then I had another show. Then Sunday, which is today, the Lord's Day. To him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Sunday, shout out to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who sponsored this podcast as well and sponsors our spirits. Uh, I'm about to head to church online. We'll head to church, turn it on. And then I'm doing this benefit show, which is, I'm going to get out of here with this one. This girl, her name is Ariel. She has cancer, and we're doing a benefit show for her. And it's tough for me doing shows like this, man, because my my aunt passed away from cancer, and uh, and my friend, my dear friend Carlos, has uh, she's the cancer's returned back to her body now. And I've been really like feeling heavy about it, you know. Like I've been hitting her up, you know, just making sure her spirits are good. But sometimes, you know, you you don't want to be. I don't feel sorry for her at all because I I, I believe in God can do miraculous things. But I wanna plug her podcast. She has a podcast out that she does where she interprets the Bible and she interprets it the way she reads it. And her podcast is called Paragraph of Faith. And she has another podcast that she's making for for her kids. You know, just just she's like we're just doing all these time capsules. And I'm so glad that we reconnected, you know? And uh I just love her so much, man, and I'm praying for her every day. So doing this show tonight, I'm doing two shows, Eva Evans shows, but this first show is for this girl's benefit. And it's just, it's, it's. I just freaking hate cancer, man. I freaking effin' hate it, man. I'm, I hate that it, and it affects so many people, and it just, just kills people, man. Like I remember my aunt, and maybe I'm just mad at myself that I had this equipment right now and we didn't do a podcast together because we talked on the phone all this time. I have recordings of her talking. But I was like, just imagine if I had her for three hours, you know, and sometimes I beat myself up. i just. I was doing so much stand up and, you know, she was in D.C. and I could have just easily went to D.C. and me and my brother did go to D.C. to visit her. And we talk on the phone all the time. But in my mind, I thought that she was going to pull through. And in my mind, I'm upset with her still that 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 she hid how hurt she really was. You because know, she thought her family couldn't take it. But we could have I could have took it. If you would have told me exactly what you're going through, I would have been down there, you know, for real and been like, All right, let's take two hours and let's talk about stuff. There's so many things that she's taught me and like it's I feel like I've taken a step back faith wise because she's not here and that's on me. Because I used to be every Saturday morning when I was in New York City for three years, I would get on a prayer call, right? And we would just pray. From eight A. M. to like nine A. M. and we'd get on this prayer call and we pray for each other and stuff like that. And she would give me a word of faith and I recorded and stuff. And when she passed away, it's just hard getting on that, that, that prayer line because now it's like her voice is gone. And I know she was here, she's like, Jerry, you still gotta pray, you still gotta do that. So I'm am f- I'm 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 standing on my two feet, you know. Sometimes you lean on someone who f- hears God's voice On a drop of a dime, instead of me staying like, look, I need to hear God for myself, instead of using all these layers to get to God, you know. So uh, I'm gonna do this. I'm about to head out now. Well, I'm about to go to prayer. Then I'm gonna head out and do this benefit show. So prayers up to her, and prayers up to my dear friend Carla. We're gonna be plugging her podcast today, and if you get time, we got. Over, I think we have six thousand listeners from what we do. Six thousand listeners—we have a big platform. If you get time, check out her podcast. It's called "Paragraph of Faith." If you're into religion, "Paragraph of Faith," and follow her because her journey is amazing. She's talking about, you know, about hair—how she shaved her hair now, and how uh, she's—I don't think she's doing chemo. How she's fighting, how she's fighting the cancer, and being so secure with your life about the afterworld. That scares the piss out of me. And first, her saying, like, I, I know I'm going to see Jesus. I know if anything happens, I'll meet Jesus. I'm more worried about my kids and worried about my husband. But for me, I'm not. Jared, I've, I understand who God is. I was like, F me <laughs> Let me say, F me up, man. Me and my lady were sitting there talking. I was like, man, this F me up. F me up completely. But uh, all right, so this is the podcast, One Man, One Tree in Hill. This is our Woody's Roundup. We're wrapping up the week, all the emails and questions. Um... A lot of people ask me to read this book. I'm going to read this book next week and we're going to drop it on a podcast. We're going to drop it on uh Friday. Uh, this week we're doing this um the podcast time Castle, of my friend Alia Trim. Alia Trim uh is an educator and she's a small business owner where she makes and threads. Um it's not it's not a it's not knitting. It's I got I will drop we're going to drop her link. We're doing that Tuesday. Then the following that, following Tuesday, we got some other people dropping on the podcast, so we got nothing but good stuff coming up. So then my name is Jared Waters. This is the podcast, One Man, One Tree in the Hill. It's a time capsule of a person. It's a thought of podcast about being alone for your own thoughts, and we're not doing that. We review One Tree Hill episodes, and uh, I've been alone with my own thoughts, so we haven't had time to recruit one tree episodes shout out to my homie ad our official jeweler of the podcast thank you for all the jewelry that she sponsors and sends make sure you follow her ad by the sea all right ladies and gentlemen have a wonderful night peace and many blessings hey you're live on the podcast one man one tree in a hill say what up to the people this is when i see black excellence man it's dave chappelle michael che lauren michaels chris rock eddie murphy all sitting at the table i said yo eddie mr murphy as i just want to say man you're the goat, man and you're the coldest nigga that ever walked the face of the earth you gotta break that thing over she wants it private but y'all not even together right now so we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months. two months and then i said and i said uh, uh-uh, i am be the next jamar neighbors yeah. and she was up like i know that's right <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Jerry Waters, and I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.